0: the truth to be accepted. Labour's Membership Crisis During the terms of the Rudd and Gillard governments, criticism of the ALP has become something of a national pastime. The processes of government have resulted in greater transparency about the true state of the Labour movement. The ALP's rank-and-file membership has collapsed, concentrating power in an oligarchy of union-based factional leaders. Active trade unionism has also declined, with the health services union scandal revealing a culture of nepotism and financial abuse. The two problems are linked. Union numbers at Labour conferences have conferred factional power on a relatively small number of union chiefs. This factional control, in turn, has spawned arrogance, the type of conceit by which union officials assume that union money is their money the countervailing influence of broad-based party and trade union membership, the traditional ballast of the labour movement, has been lost. Unionisation in Australia has fallen to 18% economy-wide, with private sector coverage at just 13%. Whether the traditionalists like it or not, minority union membership is here to stay. In a highly skilled and competitive modern economy, Dominated by small businesses, contractors and information workers, it is impossible to organise mass union membership. A majority of economic agents see no need for collective representation. They have the qualifications and confidence to bargain effectively on their own behalf. The problem for Labour with its concentrated base of union affiliations and financing, lies in the organisational imbalance between the new economy and old-style unionism. In the workforce, unions have become a minority influence, whereas inside the ALP, through the strength of the factional system, they have maintained a majority complex, exercising control over party decision-making. Having watched their relevance in the workplace fade over the past 30 years, union officials have compensated by beefing up their role inside the Labour Party. In practice in Australia, there is no longer any such thing as a powerful unionist, as expressed by the traditional notion of industrial leverage. There is, however, a generation of union leaders who have made themselves powerful by using their union's resources to exercise factional influence inside the ALP. This has been a classic big fish in a small pond strategy. It has been made easier by the long-term decline in Labour branch membership. In any organisation, power flows to the centre whenever a critical mass of grassroots participation is lost. This concentration of influence usually results in self-serving processes and decisions, generating ethical problems and further disillusionment among rank-and-file members. In this fashion, oligarchies feature a vicious circle of centralised power and membership decline. Over time, the preservation of power internally is regarded as a higher priority than satisfying the organization's external goals. The formalisation of Labour's factional system in the 1980s has coincided with a hollowing out of party membership. The Labour historian Troy Bramston has chronicled the collapse from 150,000 members nationally in the 1930s to 50,000 in the 1990s to just 11,665 members who voted in the ballot for the ALP National Presidency in November 2011. In many parts of the nation, branches which once flourished as forums of working-class activism and community participation have closed down. At each election, the party has had to rely on a dwindling number of volunteers to distribute its literature and staff its polling booths. The problem is particularly acute in outer suburban areas. The key marginal seats Labour needs to win to hold government. As the strength of union-based factionalism has increased, party members have lost interest in local branch meetings. Young families and professional people, already burdened by long commuting journeys and lifestyle pressures, have had no reason to maintain their involvement. Compared to rival